everyone and welcome back. And if you're new here, a big warm welcome to you as well. I am honored to have you all on board my longship as always. So, as you guys know who have been here from the very start, I am a Norse archaeologist from the beginning before I studied to my current profession, that is. So, I thought it's a great thing to bring into this podcast as I've mentioned in the beginning of it all. And I think the time has come to make the very first more archaeological focused episode on here, and of course, mixed with a sprinkle of mysticism, naturally so. And the subject for today is going to be about something that today's pagans are still doing. Some more often than others and some don't do it all. Some does it with care and some people really do not fully understand what they're actually doing, which in itself is a little worrying <laughs> to say the least. Some tries to do it as historically accurate as possible, some do it in their own way and some do a mix of both. It's all about preference and a couple of other factors which I'm going to cover in coming episodes in the future. So with that said, what I am going to focus on in this episode is ceremonies and rituals. This subject has so much to cover, but I'm going to start this all off with talking about sacrificial ceremonies, cult houses and cult places in the early Bronze Age and the Viking Ages. However, this in itself is a broad subject too, so I'm not going to be able to cover it all really in this single episode. So I will probably make more episodes about this in the future as well. So without any further ado, let's get on it. So I bet most of you have already heard of the term blut, which means to empower, to sacrifice or worship. This is but one out of many ceremonies and rituals performed by the Vikings and their predecessors. Modern pagans today also perform blut in some way or form, whether it is in a group of many or solitary, and some are more elaborate than others perhaps. Look at the festival Midgårdsblot, for example, which is held in Borre in Norway. And Midgårdsblot is a festival that is held yearly and has been organized since 2015. And it is held at Midgård Viking Center Museum, which lies in an early Viking settlement and is the biggest gravesite in Northern Europe. And the kind of music that is played at this festival is metal and folk music, which is mixed with pagan ceremonies and rituals. And the artists that that are coming there are actually quite big, such as Vardruna, as an example. And I think he is coming there this year as well, but I'm not sure. But to go back to what the average pagan might be doing, most of them are performing these rituals and ceremonies outside, preferably nowadays, by either historical places like Viking gravesites or somewhere where it's just beautiful nature, for example. But where was this all performed really in the Viking ages? Inside special buildings? or outside? Well, let's start at what we as archaeologists refer to as the Younger Bronze Age. There are many traces of rituals and ceremonies found in our Norse countries, like findings of offerings, grave formations of various kinds and also many rock carvings. It was a very rich ceremonial life they lived. 
from what we have been able to see is that these ceremonies and rituals could have been held at distant places in nature, like special swamps or lakes, and there has been found some offerings. However, it has been difficult to find something more than that, like leads in some direction that could tell us even more about this all. But we can only assume that it would make perfect sense to perform these rituals and ceremonies at places which could fit in a big part, if not all, of the people in the village. One example of archaeological findings in lakes and waters are the dozens of ceremonial shields that have been found in Fröslunda by the lake Vänern. And the reason for why they're thought of as being ceremonial is of how they are created and look like. These shields are of thin bronze, the diameter is 60 centimeters, and are very decorated. They also seem to have been made in pairs of two one to match the other, which is very interesting in my opinion. Also, the fact that these shields are very thinly made indicates that these were not meant for battle, but instead being used as ceremonial tools. There are some theories that these shields could in fact have been used as musical instruments even, like a drum of sorts. There was also other musical instruments found as well in other places, like horns, and it seems likely that people would have paired these instruments with singing too, for example. Also, let's talk about the buildings of ceremony and rituals where they were performed. In the Middle East and Sweden, there has been a lot of findings in loads of different cities of rectangular embankments which has been considered as possible central places in the villages, which has most likely been used mostly for ceremonial rites. There is even graves in several of these so-called central places in Odensala in Uppland. And in Agdatorp in Blekinge, there has been found the same type of buildings with massive stone walls with rounded corners. And also no findings of pole holes, which indicates that there was no roof to these buildings. There are also no evidence found that this place was ever used for living there. And because there is no findings of such, then it can only be assumed that this place has been basically used for spiritual purposes only. And something else that indicates to this is that this place is in close connection to grave sightings, which also points towards the ritualistic purposes of this place. And these kind of buildings may also, most certainly so, been used also for other social events as well though. These are only speculations though, and there has been no evidence so far as we know of this kind of theory. But it's certainly a possibility. And besides all this, there are also many rock carvings that also suggest ritualistic and ceremonial performances. And so the Vikings in the later Bronze Age, they seemed to follow in the traditions of ceremonies and rituals as their ancestors performed. They would choose places in nature as well to do their rituals and offerings, for example. It is, however, very difficult to establish exactly how the Vikings did their blots, for example. But what we do know is that both animals, humans, food and things of various kinds were offered. There's also evidence of burning these offerings, since burnt grains of different kinds has been found. It is also established that there was various kinds and reasons for offerings and sacrifices and so on. And some of the most common offering rituals could be that you would share a meal with the gods and the ones who were to be sacrificed. There is also the grave offerings, which could include an offering of animals or a human to accompany the dead. There could also be the so-called favor offerings, which means that you would ask for a favor in return of your offering. 
Also, there could be a thank you offering and redemption offering to get back the goodwill from the gods if it was ever lost. The rituals for these offerings could vary, and one theory is that they strung up the offerings to a tree. It's not very likely that they strung up the things whole, but rather bits and parts. I've been at a place in Skåne in the outskirts of Lund doing an assessment of the area where it was thought to have been performed like that. The tree was impressively big and mighty and it was located on a pretty big hill, which probably would have been much bigger back in the days as well. And on the speak of being places, be it Viking gravesites or other alleged ritualistic or ceremonial places, wherever that has been, I have always felt that super strong energy in the air in and around those areas. It's like the air itself is vibrating and you can feel it tingling strongly in all of your body. Sometimes I even get information from what I would call place memories, which appears like pictures or movie clips in my mind where I can see bits and parts of what have taken place there. That's the clairvoyant side of me, which actually has proven to be quite useful when working with archaeology, because you'll get clues as to where to look, what to look for and where to dig, for example. And it has also certainly served me well in especially difficult assignments that I was given at university, for example. But to go back to the tree offerings, there has also been found evidence that this kind of offering rituals was performed in a place called Fröse. They began to renovate a church that was there, and when they looked under the church's floor, they found a tree stump with bones from bear, boar, elk, as well as some human bones too. And these have all been dated to the years 900 to 1000 with the help of the carbon-14 method. And these offerings could be an indicator of a pre-Christian faith and as so also points to the Vikings and the fact that the church was built right over it is kind of symbolic of the Christian overtake. In another part of Sweden, in Torslunda, there has been found a lot of bones from boars around trees as well. And boars are connected specifically to the Vanir gods Freya and Frey. So perhaps this was a region where these deities, or the Vanir as a whole, was especially worshipped. As of why is yet unclear and is being investigated more closely. There is also a story about the everlasting boar in the sagas called Särimner, who was cooked and eaten by the gods and then resurrected again every time. So with those things in mind, it really indicates that the boar was a pretty significant offering animal to the Vikings. So to summarize, rituals, ceremonies and places of performing these were of the utmost importance to the Vikings and also people before them. In today's world, we modern pagans still practice offerings and rituals, but of course in a different way than the old Vikings probably did, which is only natural. We evolve with time as humans, our ways naturally change change and our views on things change as well. It is however something that is still very important and sacred even today. And I will talk more about this in a future episode because I will continue with the theme of rituals and ceremonies. But as of now, I believe it's time to round this episode up since I don't want to have an hour-long episode. (laughs) And this is a very large subject with a lot of different topics within it. And I cannot possibly run through them all in just one single episode anyway. So more to come in the future for sure. So I hope you have enjoyed this tiny bit of archaeological slightly spiritual mix of an episode. But it is now time for the Swedish word of the week and it is fika. 
And the reason for why I picked this word is that I have a little announcement to make. But let me explain the word fika first though. Fika doesn't really have an English word for it since it's a very Swedish thing to do. And it's how we hang out with each other basically. And when taking a fika it means that we go to like a bakery or one of us is inviting the other to their home to eat something good. Like baked goods and drink some coffee or tea. Well, that's a classic fika. And now for the little announcement. And that is that next time I will be introducing a new kind of episode series. Which I'm going to call Fika Time. And in those episodes I'm gonna invite Samuel Johnson, which you guys know of if you have listened to the previous episodes about spiritual disconnection, where I invited him over to talk about that. I'm also possibly gonna invite his wife too sometimes as well. And sometimes maybe we'll be more people than just us. It's basically a hangout episode where we talk about everything and nothing regarding paganism, but also other things as well. Just having fun and just socializing over a coffee and some buns. And maybe even alcoholic drinks sometimes. Who knows? And I'm planning on that fika time would be something that pops up maybe once a month. We'll see. But that's the plan as for now at least. And I hope you guys will like this idea because I think it would be really awesome. Also, I want to announce that that I won't be making episodes every week any longer. I will instead make them every other week instead in the future, as for now at least. I've come to this decision since it's become quite stressful for me at this moment of time anyhow to have both a full-time job, kid and a pod. I love podding, so it's not that. It's just that I need to not feel stressed right now. So I think it would be good for me to do the episodes every other week instead. This might change later on, but as for now at least, that's what I'm gonna do. And I hope you guys understand and think this is a good idea too. So we have now reached the end of this episode and I want to thank you all for listening. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram. That's where I post clues on upcoming episodes or update you guys on something. It would make me a happy pagan if you do so. (laughs) All links are listed in my link tree, which is linked in the description box of this episode and also in the description box of the pod itself. So I hope to see you all there and lots of love to you all. Hardegott. Hardegott. Him and more.